tremendous passage. And what a beautiful display of our Lord's compassion. So, Well, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we read through something like the Gospel of Mark, what do we make of the miracles that Jesus performed during his earthly ministry? How would you answer that question if someone said, what are those miracles all about? What do they tell us about the Lord, about his kingdom, about his mission, his calling, his purpose, etc.? At least two things can be said in that connection. The miracles that Jesus performed, boys and girls, they testify to his authority and to his power as the only begotten Son of God. And our Lord's miracles serve as a witness and a testimony to the fact that he is the Messiah, the one promised and prophesied about in the Old Testament, who comes then, as Peter says in Acts chapter 2, to do the wonderful works of God. Either way, one thing is for sure, right? Jesus did perform miracles during his earthly ministry. Lots of them, in fact. And in our passage that closes off Mark chapter 5 here, there are it's another lengthy passage, and that's part of the reason why we broke it down into two sermons back in March when this was first preached. Both of the miracles recorded here in chapter 5 in that panel that we just read involve females. Because on the one hand, there's a little girl who is raised up and restored back to life. And on the other hand, a grown woman is cured of this ailment of a blood flow that she'd had for 12 years. Literally, Mark uses the word saved in describing how Jesus healed her. Not to say that it's salvation in its fullest sense, but her physical healing points to and is a small-scale picture of the greater salvation and fullness and wellness of the whole body that Jesus provides for us ultimately. But he, here's one point of connection, point of contact that we can make with us today regarding this first point that we'll see tonight. And that's what Jesus says to Jairus in verse 36, because that's still, at least in part, that's still true in terms of what Jesus says to us today. Do not fear. Only believe. In other words, walk by faith and not by sight. Don't let what you see around you, even right in front of you, define the way you look at life. But let Christ's promise to give life and to bring restoration guide the way you look at life. Another point of contact along the way in this first panel here with the, the little girl who receives her life back is in verse 41. And what Jesus will say to everyone at the end of the age, all of his believing people as the resurrection of the body unfolds, I say to you, arise. So the little girl being restored back to life is a pointer to the even greater resurrection of the body that's coming at the end of the age. So let's keep some of that with us as we come to look at the first point. So just verses 21 to the first part of verse 24, and then we'll skip as it were, the section in the middle, and pick back up in verse 35 to 43. You can see the theme, being back in Galilee, Jesus continues on with his ministry. And he does that. We see that here. He does this by bringing a little girl back to life. So as, as things open up, and we have those verses that I just mentioned before us, maybe a few things to keep in mind as you look at the passage with me. First of all, in verses 21 to that first part of verse 24, the context 
is, is put before us, and, and the, the crisis of this whole part of the narrative is right up front, and at the end of verse 20, at the beginning of verse 24, that little paragraph, the, the rescue mission begins when it tells us that Jesus went with Jairus to take care of this little girl, his own daughter, Jairus' daughter. And then it picks back up in verse 35, right? The, the crisis ramps up because the, they come from the ruler's house and say, never mind bothering the teacher anymore. Your daughter has died. But look, look what it tells us that Jesus responds in verse 36. He overhears what they say, and that's where he turns to Jairus and says, do not fear, only believe. That verse, 36, and those words are going to be all throughout the message tonight. And then the final push of what we have here in the passage, it brings us to that resolution in verses 41 to 43, 37 to 40 is the push, and then the re resolution comes in verses 41 to 43 as things here are realized. And the goal that Jesus had in mind from the very beginning when Jairus approached him is then realized and it comes to pass. So let's go back then to the little overview like that to verses 21 to the first part of 24. It tells us that Jesus goes back to the other side, of the, of the presumably of the Sea of Galilee, back to the west side, and maybe even in Capernaum. And the great crowd once more is joining the Lord, which is something that Mark makes mention of repeatedly throughout the first part of his gospel. And then there's something surprising that happens, isn't there? Look at verses 22 to 23. Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, he sees Jesus, he falls at his feet, he implores him earnestly and says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And of course, what's not surprising is verse 24. Essentially, Jesus must have said something like, "Then let's go and see what we can do because then the two of them depart to go with their others as well. So I say it's surprising on the one hand because Jairus, being a ruler of the synagogue, he he likely would have had some pretty serious reservations about wanting to put himself in the position of being apparently in favor or endorsing Jesus' public ministry because up to this point, Jesus has already uh, crossed hairs with the scribes and the Pharisees and is already getting a bad reputation as a rabble-rouser from their perspective of the scribes and Pharisees not liking the trouble that they think he's making and stirring up with his ministry. But what isn't surprising is Jesus going with Jairus and following up on his request. Because that's what Jesus does. That's how Jesus rolls. He, he comes to the aid of people who are in need, especially when they approach him and ask for mercy. So maybe we can pause to make this observation. Even on a moment's notice here, Jesus is available, right? Jairus can see him. He's right there. Jairus can approach him. He's right there. Jairus can ask Jesus a very specific question. And Jairus gets to hear Jesus say, let's, let's go. Let's go to your little girl. So even if our troubles and our predicaments aren't as serious as what Jairus is facing here, or maybe even if they are, we too, congregation, in any situation that we face, can go to Jesus knowing that he is always available to us. And if we do, as we do, 
Listen, Jesus will graciously receive us because he is a merciful and tender great high priest. Jesus will always welcome us with open arms because he is the good shepherd for every last one of his sheep. Jesus will always really and truly provide us with acceptance in the sight of God the Father and a hearing in prayer before the face of God the Father because he is our intercessor and he is our faithful Savior. And listen, whatever the outcome might be for us, we can trust as we go to Jesus that he is with us as well. So like 1 Peter chapter 5 says, cast all of your cares on him and remember that he cares for you. Be like the one in Psalm 34. It says, this poor man cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. Make your prayer like the prayer of John at the end of Revelation. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And remember this, in going to Jesus in your times of need, it's not necessarily the case that the deliverance you seek is going to be automatically given. It's not necessarily the case that Jesus is going to answer from heaven and provide a miracle in your situation. But here's the key, and let me say it like this. As things unfold, Jesus will uphold. And as the storm swells all around us, Jesus will provide peace. Like he says, do not fear, only believe. After all, he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, doesn't he? Congregation, know that. Believe that it's true. Trust that that promise is yours by faith in Jesus Christ who gives it. And then rest. Rest upon him as your firm foundation when the ground of life shakes and quakes and would threaten to cause you to stumble because on that foundation of Christ, you are and remain steadfast and immovable. Let's go back to the passage. Look at verse 35 as the crisis ramps up and the report comes, right? Verse 35, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Imagine being Jairus and hearing that report. I mean, his heart must have sank, right? His little girl is dead. My youngest is 13. If I got that news, oh, I'd have a heavy heart for sure. Overcome by her ailment, Jairus' daughter has passed away at just the tender age of 12. So for our perspective, anybody in here who was born in 2010 would be or turn 12 this year. So these are young children, boys and girls, who have every aspect, as far as ordinarily things go, of promise and anticipation for the future. And her life comes to an end here. That's no small thing, is it? How would you react as a parent if you got the news that your child had passed away, what would you say? What would you think? What would you feel? What do you think Jairus thought? Well, let me say it like this. 
at least here, in some fashion, it doesn't really matter what Jairus thought, does it? What matters is what Jesus says in the midst of this bad news. Do not fear, only believe. Now, of course, that doesn't guarantee that everything is going to be a bed of roses, right? If Jesus says that same thing to us today, that doesn't mean that, that all of our trials and troubles will automatically disappear. There's no magic wand that makes everything better for everybody, right? There's no pixie dust to sprinkle on a situation so that it's magically transformed into something good. It's not all rainbows and unicorns and kitty cats. But even here, just think. We know how the story turns out, but even here, at some point in the future, Jairus' daughter breathed her last and she died not to come back to life in this age. Jairus himself died at some point later on in life. And everybody in this context and in this situation who saw and heard these things, they all died at one point too. And guess what, boys and girls? Even Jesus died at some point. Of course, Jesus rose from the dead and gives a sure hope for the future to everyone who trusts in him because of his powerful resurrection and his victory over the grave. Like our, our baptismal form teaches us in the prayer that this life is nothing but a constant death. And because that's the case with the resurrection of Jesus Christ standing out there as something accomplished in the past and which has present new life in Christ and future significance and importance for us, resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting at the end of the age, because all of that is true. And now we're in the middle. We can expect tough times in life. We can expect that there will be dilemmas that are extremely difficult. And we can expect, and listen to this, that sometimes things will get worse in life before they get any better, if they even do get any better, because sometimes they don't get any better. And it goes from bad to worse in a hurry. But there are some cases in life where things do turn around, aren't there? And when they do, when we see that God turns the situations of our lives around and that Christ upholds us and works in those things for our good and for God's glory, then, then two things should come to mind. One, we should praise God for the real, if not small, blessing that a, a temporal grace and answer to prayer is. And we should let that remind us of what's coming at the end of the age where there will be that day on which every believer is raised and transformed and fitted for life in the new heavens and the new earth and the endless ages of what lies ahead for us. Because it's both of those things, God's praise and the resurrection of the body. It's both of those things that we see pictured here in this passage as we think through things and look at things together. And that's why Jesus says to Jairus in verse 36, do not fear, only believe. Because in overhearing the report, he doesn't let that stop him. 
but he regroups and he heads on and he remains focused in this rescue mission that began back at the beginning of verse 24. So remember this. However dire things might look in life, the future is bright. The future is bright. I mean, just think. When we look to the future as Christian people, and, and these are the kind of things we have to remember. These are what the Puritans would have said, the, the sweet that reminds us of how to endure the sweat. The sweet that helps us endure the sweat. Listen to this as we look to the future. There's a sure and certain promise of a full and new life. There's a sure and certain promise of, of a new age where every stain of sin is washed away and everything is pristine and beautiful. There's a sure and certain promise of a, new, of a new city that has foundations and whose builder and maker is God himself. There's the sure and certain promise of a, of a new kingdom, of a new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. So congregation, as you walk in the times of the valley now, set your eyes to the top of the hill. Look for what is yet to come. Lift up your head and see that your Redeemer is drawing nigh and that his return is certain and the ushering in of all things will happen. Love him who has so first and fully loved you. And then live unto Jesus as you depend upon his grace and guidance each day and as you wait with eager anticipation, knowing that it will be given for all of his promises to be fulfilled. Let's go back to the passage for a minute because in terms of the narrative here, we might be a little bit ahead of ourselves with all of this talk of resurrection and exaltation. So let's, let's reel things in a little bit. Look at verses 37 to 40 with me. Jesus keeps on keeping on. He limits his entourage to Peter, James, and John. They come to Jairus' house. In verse 38, Jesus sees all of the commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. These are likely, if not potentially professional mourners, people whose job it was to come to places where people had recently passed away and, and to make a show of the grief and the sorrow and to cry out loudly with tears and wails. And that was all part of the cultural connections here. Jesus offers a question and a challenge in verse 39 where he says that the child is not dead but sleeping. And maybe just to clarify there, what Jesus is, is saying in the context is that she's not going to stay dead. He's not saying she hasn't actually died. She has died. The report is true. But what Jesus is saying, she's not going to stay dead. By sleeping, he's saying her death here is only for a brief period of time because as the resurrection and the life, I am going to raise her up and restore her back to life. Of course, Jesus is mocked and ridiculed for that. Right? It tells us that they laughed at him. And then he puts them outside, clears the room, takes the father and the mother with him. And then he goes, look at it, it says at the end of verse 40, in where the child was. So in light of all of that, let's see this. 
even though Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, you read through Mark's Gospel up to this point, he has power, he has authority, he heals people of their diseases, he casts out demons who are afflicting and possessing people, and here he's making and setting all things right. That's what Jesus is doing in his earthly ministry, giving us a little snapshot. Uh, if you're old enough to remember the Polaroid cameras, maybe they have them now, everything's retro these days. The old Polaroid cameras where you take the picture and it spits the picture out the front and then you sort of shake it like that for a few minutes and then the picture sort of comes into focus and develops. How, however that happens, I don't know, but it develops right there on the fly. It's sort of a little snapshot uh, of a much bigger event happening whenever that picture was taken. That's what the miracles are like with Jesus. They're little Polaroid snapshots, a thumbnail of something bigger and brighter and more beautiful that's coming in its fullness at the end of the age. Jesus understands congregation, what our weaknesses are. And he knows during his earthly ministry that the logistics of what he does are important for us, important for those at that time. So what, what he's doing in clearing the room and going in to where the girl is, he's, he's processing the situation and he's making all of the arrangements just as he wants them to be for this miracle. So in order to effect the resolution here, in order to bring the little girl back to life, first, Jesus sets the stage on which he will work to perform this wonderful, compassionate deed. And guess what? In principle, it's still the same now. Because Jesus, at the right hand of God, King and head of his church, the one Matthew 28 tells us, by his own voice, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus is now guiding and governing all things, our little lives included, from that place of absolute supremacy and sovereignty at the right hand of the majesty on high. And what that means is this. Jesus is holding our lives in his hand. All of their details are an open book, and he knows exactly what our situation is. And he's setting the schedule in terms of how things unfold in the days, in the times, in whatever it might be. So he's always at our side. He's always with us. And he promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's as though he says through that, do not fear. Only believe. Congregation, hear that. If you've never heard it before, hear it tonight. Remember it. Believe it. Be brave in light of it. Have true faith according to the gospel promise because of it. And when he says do not fear, only believe, look to the future with comfort, look to the future with confidence, and look to the future with courage of heart and mind because of what Jesus says to you, and by way of his death and resurrection, because of what Jesus has done to save you. Let's go back to the passage one last time. Look at verses 41 to 43. Oh, what a, what a precious little set of verses. This is the third time I've preached this sermon. Once originally, once over in Orange City, and now here tonight. It's probably time to retire a sermon after three times. But look at verses 41 to 43. It is fabulous. 
taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And you got to love how it ends. And he told them to give her something to eat. No detail. No, nothing is too small for Jesus to be aware of it and to take note of it and to say something relevant. So how do we close things out? How do we tie it all together? Well, maybe like this. Do not fear, only believe. That's what Jesus said to Jairus. That's what he effected when he raised this little girl back. He did exactly what Jairus requested. He came and laid his hands on her so that she would be made well and live. So let me say it like this. Jesus will bring resolution to all of your trials, congregation. Every crisis you ever face will be smoothed out by him, guaranteed. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. Every tear will be wiped away from your eye on that last day. That's the language of resolution. And Jesus will do that because he cares for you, because he loves you. And because in God's purpose and decree of election, like we heard about last time, you have been given as a gift to him by God the Father. Not because you're anything special, but because God is so amazing in his grace. Jesus will bring resolution to all of your crises guaranteed because he's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. He's described along with the Father and the Holy Spirit in Psalm 136. His grace... His steadfast love, his mercy endures forever. And Jesus will bring resolution to all of your trials, sometimes in this life, even if that's only in small measure. Sometimes there are blessings he provides as resolution that are answers to prayer, but not always. Nothing lasts forever in this age, and no one will escape the end of life at the day of death. But Jesus will bring absolute, full, and final resolution to all of our crises on that last day with the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Of that, you can be sure. In that, you can trust. Because of that, you have hope along with everyone else who believes in and belongs to Jesus. So do not fear. Only believe in Jesus, because one day he will say to you and the whole company of all of his redeemed people, arise. And congregation, until that day comes, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he who called you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen.